nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Lord up, help. So we have a tower. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Swansea, the Twilight Show. Tonight, we're going to be joined by James Pierce, and we're going to be talking about his upcoming book, Do You Want to Share That with the Class? It's hilarious anecdotes and honest advice for primary ECTs. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. Tune in. Talk it out. Off we go. Live from Swansea, this is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Borrowed up out. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. It's uh, it, it's autumn term, like it really is. It was hammering with rain as I came out of school today. You know, went to the car park. I have to walk across the car park to sign out, then walk back to my car. Uh, so it was one of those things and hammering rain. Now, as I said, tonight we're joined by James Pierce. Now, James, I think I can see you in the studio there. If you want to hit that call in button, we'll get you connected because I have so many questions about the book. Um, you know, so many things. And uh, yeah, as I said in the the introduction, this is a book uh, called Do You Want to Share That with the Class? It is anecdotes, advice, heavy on the advice, I should say. You know, if you're looking for some top tips, this is the place to go. Uh, But before we get started, James, uh, can you hear me? I can indeed. Can you hear me? Yeah, you are coming through uh, loud and clear. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, well, you know, before we, I've done a little bit of spiel there, there at the start, you know, just where everyone's appetite, anyone listening live now, anyone downloading this as a podcast, just to get them started. But before we get started, I, you know, we need to find out a little bit about you. So, you know, set the scene for our listeners. Who are you? What do you currently do? Um, so nowadays I've got quite a nice job within education because I've actually become a supply teacher, uh, which wasn't really the direction where I expected things to go. I was full-time teaching for eight years and I thought, you know what, I've been in one school ever since I trained and I wanted to see a bit more, um, out and about and see a lot more other schools. So I've been a supply teacher on and off for the last two years. Um, I did a, a placement in a school last year for a couple of terms and uh, ended up doing a lot of roles there. So, yeah, for me at the moment, it's I've got that fantastic job. Yes, we, we sort of, uh, when I was full time, we always joked about the fact that supply teachers don't have to go for the meetings and don't have to deal with parents evenings and things like that. But actually, it's so eye opening for me to be going into different schools, seeing how they all um, look at the national curriculum, how they sort of take the guidance from the DfE and how schools do things by themselves. And it gave me the chance to meet a lot of uh, ECTs and, and teachers to be as well. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment, sort of enjoying the life of flexibility. And, uh, it, you know, it really is. We say teaching's different than every single day. As a supply teacher, it really, really is. Yeah, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, this, maybe it's post-pandemic, there have been some great shows on this. If you're listening to us and you haven't listened to early in the week, go back and find it. I know Tom Rogers did a show talking about, you know, whether or not people should quit, 
quit teaching entirely. But as part of that, they were talking about, you know, this, these other options, the fact that maybe, I, maybe we're looking at te- teaching a bit broader now and, you know, doing supply, uh, changing up contracts, chopping and changing. It seems to be a lot more common now, you know, post-pandemic maybe. I think it is. Um, you know, for me, I came into the profession. I, I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. And I did a BA degree, did the three years of teacher training at Kingston University. And so for me, when I came out of university and I stepped into the classroom for the full time, I knew that this was something that I was going to be doing for a long time. You know, it's what I, I put my passion into. But more and more, and I always use the anecdote of my my first placement class that I worked in back in 2011, the teacher that I was with, she um, got her 25 years of service award, which is, you know, a huge accolade and achievement, particularly back then, but, but even more so now. And it occurred to me that when I stepped into the classroom at the age of 22, by the time I get to retirement age, it's probably going to be, you know, 70, 72, whatever. I don't think anybody can do 50 years of full time teaching on the front line nowadays. I think, you know, that's impossible with the way that the profession has gone. But the great thing about teaching is the fact that there are those different elements. So you can be a supply teacher, you can be a leader of learning, you can, there's still enough in there that you can stay in the classroom, but have different roles to keep you challenged, to keep you satisfied and to keep you happy in what we do. Definitely. You know, I find it, as I say, but I, I find these, this, you've brought it up now and, you know, we are talking about ECTs. I want to rewind flashback. I want to talk James, the, you know, NQT, I imagine we were back then, you know, I, yeah. I, I will say I'll share some honest reflections. Don't feel put on the spot, you know, that I'm, you know, we're going to embarrass. I will share, I have a, a incredibly embarrassing and traumatic moments in my early career. Uh, but <laughs> tell me about, you know, what was, what was James like? What were you like as a new teacher coming into the classroom? I think, um, I mean, it feels like a long time ago. It's my 11th year in the classrooms now. No, I was I was definitely one of those, the try-hard NQTs, where when I got into the classroom, the, the first mistake that I made is I thought that teaching was the be-all and end-all. And I threw myself into the job and the profession. Um, and it took me time to, to find that balance and realise that actually that work and teaching doesn't have to be everything about you um and as soon as i sort of made that mistake and i think you know many nqts or ects now you get to this time of year that autumn one you know half term at the end of it and you just feel exhausted i think when i went back in autumn too i had a completely different perspective on it and that's when i started to find the fun in the job um you know i realized that actually being my best is never going to be perfection and that's okay as long as the children are going home my motto has always been as long as the children go home with a smile on their face with a new bit of knowledge and they feel happy and ready to come back the next day i'm I'm happy with that that that's my mentality um but at the same time i definitely wanted to go in and have some fun doing it as well because there is no point going and trying to make a difference if you're going to be boring so yeah i went in really trying to throw myself into the job and to do the best that I could. I'm, I think all of us as teachers, we are perfectionists. We're all very hard on ourselves. We're all very self-critical. Um, and that, you know, even now, 11 years on, that's still definitely me. I always come away from every day thinking, oh, I could have done that better. Or, you know, I shouldn't have made that mistake. Or as you said, you know, we all have those embarrassing moments where you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, and you're left feeling a bit red-faced. But yeah, for me, I always, when I have those moments, try to learn from them. 
and yeah just try to have positivity with it and and now when sorry as a newly qualified teacher as well you know obviously I didn't have the opportunity to sort of work and mentor others so back then I was really one of those that tried to be a sponge I love learning new things um so I went into the classroom and into school thinking actually any new skill or role or anything I can pick up um that for me was great as I said I sort of overloaded myself at the beginning if I'm absolutely honest and that was something I had to find a balance of but yeah any opportunities I was like yeah I'll, I'll, I'll go and get involved with this club or you know I'll help in this trip and this that and the other um because I just wanted to get stuck in yeah, you know, there's an interesting part you said there about, you know, like uh, the perfection thing. I think I suffered from that, you know, like I was one of those those newly uh, qualified teachers or, you know, early career teachers who, who like it was it, I wanted this is back when grades were a thing as well, admittedly, is, you know, I, I wanted <laughs> outstanding lesson observations, you know, and I've oh, yeah. I beat myself up if I didn't get it perfect. And and that mm. was a really hard lesson for me to learn over a number of years, you know, that, that, you know, sometimes good enough is, is good for, and like you say, like leaving the, you know, so I think that was a really tough one for me, but I guess I maybe unlike you more, and, and this is where I find y- y- your book, I think would be really helpful for to someone like me when I, I was in my career is I was I, like, I was a bit isolated maybe. Okay. Yeah. So I was the only uh, NQT at my school when I did my NQT year. Um, mm. So I was the only one who n- knew nothing. And also I didn't know what I didn't know. And there weren't yeah. other people going through it. And I found that really, really hard. It, it's so tough and and you're right you know I've seen ECTs and I've, I've worked with ECTs in the last couple of years that have gone to one form entry schools or have been as you say you know the only ECT in the whole school and you'd think in a building where you can have hundreds of people in and out every single day that being lonely or feeling like you are out on a limb is absolutely impossible but it's not um you know and I was very lucky I had another NQT starting at the same time as me we were polar opposites we were so totally different but you know we had that affinity because we were NQTs we'd go on training courses together and it was really nice to have that that other person and I was very lucky to have a mentor who was very supportive as well but yeah as you said you know there are so many NQTs and ECTs who haven't had that experience at the beginning and that can be really hard because you almost rely on that interaction with other people as teachers we all rely on that interaction with each other and that support from each other to keep us sane half the time let's be honest so you know yeah as an NQT if you haven't got sorry as an ECT if you haven't got that that can be really really tough yeah, certainly. Now, I, uh, for, if you're listening in, if you're listening in live, or if you're listening back at the podcast, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to lay out the show in front of you. This is my, my, my teacher aspect. You know, this would be the part at the start of a, a whole school assembly, maybe with kids there, where I'd be explaining, don't take photos and, uh, you know, um, uh, where the fire exits are and all of those things. So what we're going to do, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, we're going to be talking about James's uh, wonderful book, but there's some parts in it, some bits that I find really interesting about where the advice and how the chapters are broken up. So we're going to pull through those. But if you are listening live in the Podbean app, you can you can join in. Okay, we're live. We're Teachers Talk Radio, so you can uh, message in uh, any questions, any comments. 
please, you know, if you have something embarrassing, even if you don't want me to share your name, share it, you know, the honesty, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I think some of the candidness and the honesty from the book is really important. Um, but you can, uh, you can text in within the Podbean app if, you're li- uh, app if you're listening live. You can, of course, tweet us at TT Radio Official, uh, uh, tag us in that. We'll see them. We'll read them out. Or uh, you can, of course, if it's very private, DM us your mistake and I won't read out your name, but we can still share the information. And we're going to run through some of the things that for particularly primary ECTs, but I would say some of this stuff does apply across the board, um, can can where I think definitely looking, you know, going through the book were things that I missed out on advice about. Now, you know, I've mentioned the book a couple of times. when uh, when is it out? I've had a sneak peek. I've, I've had a little refresh. I was very blessed to have that. So when does the book come out? Uh, so the book is out officially on November the 9th. So we are about three weeks away from it, um, which is yeah very exciting. And uh, I know you got a digital copy that you, you got to read this week. You're the first person, Nathan, that has got to read that book, uh, aside from oh. me and the people at Bloomsbury. Um, And the day you got that copy, I got my first hard copy as well. So I've actually got in front of me the first hard copy of the book as well. So, yeah, very exciting. Oh, and that that must be such a, like, as as an author, you know, as a creative kind of thing. What's it like holding that in your hands now? Really strange. (laughs) It's really odd. Because for me, you know, this book has been um, emails backwards and forwards. It's been um, Word documents and PDFs and edits. And, um, you know, it's never looked like a book until it gets into your hands. And that's something I didn't really think about with the whole process. You know, I, I write these each of the chapters I did as a word document and I was sitting there totting up the word count as we were going. And it felt like I was just like writing mini essays. And then, yeah, to actually have it and hold it as a book, you you sort of realise what you've done and what it's what it's come to be. It's yeah, very satisfying. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm uh, I am always impressed by, by by teachers who write books. Not only the fact that you know you take the time to do it, but also like personally, I get tired and give up. Like I very much like the audio <laughs> format because you know, I it, it takes work and things, but. I can say it, and then once I've said it, I I, I don't have to reread it and and go mm. through it and mull over it and all of those things. Edit and improve is is not a place for me. But so, what was the? I guess there's two parts to it for me. For the question is, what was the motivation for you to write the book, and and what was the motivation to keep writing it? Because it must have been tough at times. Yeah, it has been. And funny enough, I'm I'm a bit like you in the fact that I much prefer the the audio side of things. So um, the the other side of, of me, while I've been a full time teacher, and, and particularly now that I'm a supply teacher as well, I do media work. So I work in radio and sports broadcasting just to, you know, keep things fresh and for some reason make life a lot harder for myself. Um, but I've always been a big fan of audio as well. So I, I love podcasts. I love listening, not just because I'm on it today, but to teachers talk radio. And, you know, I, I think in a profession where we talk and communicate with one another, actually having a podcast in my ears while, you know, I'm having a quiet half an hour marking it at the end of the day is actually a perfect medium for me. So the book has been a a sort of a thing that I've wanted to do ever since I became a teacher. Um, I suppose the motivation for it was when I finished my degree, um, we went back to university on our final day and we had what was called the return day lecture. And it was the thing of, you know, you've now qualified, you're going to go out and be these new teachers. Um, We've booked some great guests to come and speak to you. And 
we had a head teacher who hadn't been in the classroom for 20 years and we had somebody from a union who had never been a teacher and we all came away from that lecture and we were like you know we weren't very motivated because we thought actually what we really wanted was someone who had been on the front line relatively recently and we wanted a reality check really we wanted a real perspective on what it was going to be like in september so that was the feedback that i gave to my lecturers and so the lecturers at the university i was at were, were very very open and very good with that and she came back to me a couple of months later and she said well why don't you come in and do the lecture next year then you know if you want to make the change you come in and do it so i went into king's university did the lecture and that was when the inspiration came for the book because i thought actually I wonder how many more universities do this sort of thing and how many NQTs at the time, ECTs now, you know, don't have that um, sort of humorous but honest portrayal of what it's like in the classroom before we actually go into the front line. Um, and since then, I mean, the last 10 years, we have a lot more students now who, you know, coming through the skip route, who learn on the job. Um, but I thought that, you know, having a book and sharing with as many people as I could far and wide my experiences and giving tips and anecdotes just gives a little bit more perspective um so that was the motivation behind the book and then it's taken it's taken me 10 years pretty much um to write the book because i have had inspiration so many times um, and i've tried writing bits and pieces so many times and it's just never come together um and teaching full-time and doing the other work i just never had the time to sit down and think okay right i'm going to get into it this evening i'm going to write a chapter i didn't even really know what the structure was going to be like to begin with all i knew is that i wanted to write a book that was going to give new teachers a, a perspective of what will come you know and what you'll experience in the first year um but during covid I mean, it's the best thing that came out of COVID for me. Um, you know, that first lockdown, we all had a little bit more time on our hands. Um, and that was when it started. I, I locked myself away for a couple of days and uh, wrote the introduction to sort of get down why I was doing it. And then I started plotting out what chapters I wanted to do. Um, and then I sort of sat on it again for six months and it bubbled away. Um, and then eventually I thought, you know what, I, if I'm going to do this, I need to get a publisher and I need them to shivvy me along. So I uh, went to Bloomsbury. They picked up the proposal and uh, said, go for it. Um, and I then had three months to write 60,000 words while teaching. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was my motivation in the end, because I, I'm just I'm one of these people who I need a deadline or, or something. Otherwise, it just sits in the ether. So, yeah, that was the moment when they thought, OK, 60,000 words, three months to get them done. Um, and it was incredibly tough. It was, you know, evenings and weekends. And um, my girlfriend didn't really see me a huge amount during those three months. But, um, you know, we got to the end of it and it was a real motivation and it worked. You know, we, we got to the point where um february this year the final final drafts went in and uh again that was just such a, a good feeling and a relief to finish the writing process yeah i bet and now now you are you know holding it in your hand uh you know re ready to be read by i i imagine lots because there, there, there's there, there is something really special about the book and i want to kind of ask you just about one of the parts that i think is is is, is particularly special but it you know in the kind of tagline the title of the book is do you want to share that with the class but then there's the the, the subheading sub you know title is um honest advice and hilarious anecdotes for primary ects and i wanted to ask you just to, like 
about that because there is a really honest and open feel to the book. I, you know, I remember uh, being an NQT and like seeing these experienced teachers and thinking that they had it all together. And some people <laughs> do act like that, you know, that they mm. have it all together. And when you make a mistake, then, psh, you know, I've never made a mistake. Um, yeah. So like, but I really like that honest style of it. I wish I'd had more of that when I was a new teacher, but is, is that a deliberate style? Is that part of who you are? What, you know, why is it written in that way? Yeah, you know, it, it really is. And again, I think for me, the idea and the concept of the book, I didn't want this to be a book um, which was a textbook. I didn't want it to be a book that told teachers exactly what they had to do. Um, I didn't want it to be a, a sort of a memoir of, of just what I did. I wanted this to be a book that almost is like a friend that you can carry around and, and put in your bag or you can have it on your shelf in your classroom. And it's a book that you can read all at once or you can dip in and out of when you get to certain points of the year. I wanted it to feel really honest and open because you're right, you have those teachers. We all have those teacher colleagues who, to them, they 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 don't see when things don't quite go wrong, don't quite go right. And yeah, I think in, in teaching, when you've got new teachers, you 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 need that honesty. You know, you really want that honesty. Um, and again, going back to that lecture right back in 2014, when I went back in to go and speak to the university students, I spoke to some of my colleagues about what I should say. I was like, I've got an hour. I've got to speak to 100 BA students about, you know, my advice and, and the reality of the classroom. And one of my experienced colleagues says, do you know what I would do if I'm giving them a real reflection of the classroom? I'd dump 100 books on the front table and just run out crying. And I just <laughs> and I thought I quite like the honesty of that. Um, and just the fact that, you know, we're not robots uh, as much as the children think we just sort of power down or live in a cupboard. Um, we, we are people who make mistakes. We are human. And that's part of what makes our job so special um yeah so i wanted it to be a, a deliberate sort of mentor in a book um for those people as you mentioned earlier on who might start in a, a small school or in a school where they haven't got another ect with them or you know having been an ect mentor now i know there are weeks when i can't always give my ects the huge amount of time that they deserve um and that they need in order to get you know the best out and so some weeks it's easier to pick up the book and just think oh do you know what i'm going to turn to that one um and sort of get an honest and hopefully quite funny um impression of, of you know what it, what it's like um and each of the chapters i structured them in the way specifically so each chapter comes in three parts apart from a couple of special chapters at the end um where it starts with an anecdote from my uh, time as an ECT and then a little bit of analysis because you've got to have some research and you know talk about Ofsted and DFE and what the EEF say and all these acronyms um, and then uh, there's five top tips at the end of every chapter which sort of say you know think about this consider doing this um, so yeah whatever whatever you need as an ECT based on something hopefully the book tries to cover all angles yeah, yeah, and it, you know, I will say it certainly does. And one of the things I wanted to ask you in a moment, we're going to go through and, and talk about some of the chapter titles. I don't want to spoil the book for people, so we're going to try. <laughs> what we will do is we'll kind of go through them in a slightly different way and talk about why they're hard. But the, there's a bunch of um, 
you know, sort of uh, different topics, events, uh, things that happen mm. within a, a primary school teacher's uh, year. Um, and, and that's kind of how the, 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 the chapters are broken down. And we'll go through some of those titles in a minute. Um, but, um, you know, I, was there stuff, and I, you know, I wanted to ask this later on, but was there stuff within these, we're going to go through them, was there stuff that, that didn't make the cut into the, the chapters? Because you say, you know, uh, a few chapters and five, uh, um, you know, tips for each. You, there's like 30 chapters at least in here. And, you know, that's a, like a, I tried counting all of the top tips and I had to give up when I got to 100. <laughs> I was like, this would be a really good fact for the show. I'll count how many top tips he gives within this book. <laughs> and like, but not in an overwhelming way, I should say for the listener, because it's done in this, you know, kind of five per per, per topic. But there are mm-hmm. things when you wrote it down, you know, um, and, and we'll talk about some of these in a minute, that didn't quite make the cut. You thought there's that, you know, I could I could give advice on this, but I'm I'm not gonna put it in. Yeah, I mean, there is um, the sort of an alternative version of the book um, from where it started off, I'll, I'll say that. So when I put the proposal in, um, I said to the, the publishers, you know, I, I'm going to go for 40 chapters. Um, not all of them will be the, the top tip ones. So as I said, there's a couple of ones at the end which are um, sort of quite reflective um, on my perception of the career and particularly now that I've been in the career you know in the profession a a lot longer I've sort of considered um but the original concept of the book so it was originally going to be called the diary of a new teacher and it was going to be structured as if it was a school year um so there are a couple of things that didn't quite make it in um ironically the first question I got asked when I told some of my teacher friends about this book because I kept it secret for years um was have you put anything in there about report writing and I was like, Do you know what? I haven't done a chapter on reports, but I tried so many times, but I couldn't make it funny, um, which is always hard. Although I've now realised I could have done. Um, but also, there are certain chapters which I couldn't quite condense it down into two thousand words. And actually, I think I could write a whole other book on writing reports because you know it's it's there are so many different bits of advice um it's an art and a science um and every school does it differently so Mm. yeah there are some elements within the school year from that first format that when um i sort of changed the tack of the book with the publishers and my editors um some of those chapters came out but most of the ones that are still in the book now are the ones that were left in the original list Okay, well, you know, and that takes us on to a slightly uh, game show here for the show, uh, if you're listening in. So what's, what's going to happen is I have the the most of the chapters listed out here, and we're going to run through because, they're, they're, you know, I think some of these will surprise people. Like, you know, there, there is advice here that I think is really valid that I wish I'd had, and I don't think I've seen advice on this in other books, you know, as a chapter mm. Um, which I find really interesting as well. But um, we, we will go through, and listeners, you can join in with this as well, if you're at home or if you want to tweet us in, if you're live in the Podbean app, however you want to do it. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to give you the chapter of the thing. You can maybe give us, a, you know, sort of like a brief little kind of uh, narration around it, maybe an explanation why, but you've got to score it from 1 to 10 on difficulty of that task as uh, ECT. 
And I, I will also <laughs> score on whether I think it's difficulty. Obviously, I'm expecting, you know, some of these things are difficult. Some of them are slightly more, slightly less, but we will see. And then, and obviously the why will be important. So if you're listening uh, in, you, you can join in with this. Um, and so uh, the first of the, of the chapters that we've got, I've got on my list here, uh, and a difficulty rating and why is this difficult? You know, is it a, an easy thing to do? Is it one of the most difficult things in the world as a teacher to do being 10? Um, the night before your, your first uh, day as a qualified teacher or an ECT, you know, post, uh, post training in the classroom, the night before, one to 10, easy, difficult, somewhere in between, and why? Um, so the night before, I really wanted to put this in because I think the night before nerves are, you know, a huge thing for all of us as teachers. For me, I don't think I slept the night before I, I started um, teaching. So I would put it right up there as a really difficult thing. I put it sort of a, an eight. Um, just trying to get your brain to shut off, but also making the most of when you do have those thoughts at three o'clock in the morning, going, oh, I need to do this. Um, yeah, so I would say for me, the, the night before was really difficult. It was a, It was a tough moment. Yeah, me, I'm, I would go slightly less, but only because I know the chapters that are coming up. Obviously, <laughs> I want to I save my, you know, a bit like Strictly, I want to save my, so I'm going with a seven for the night before. I agree with you. I think it's a, a thing, but I've never, I don't think I've ever seen advice for it before in a mm. book where talking about from, you know, that, that kind of, it is a difficult thing. You're going into a new environment. So the night before, we've gone seven or eight on the difficulty scale, but that is in there in the book with, uh, you know, five bits of advice and some funny, f- funny stories um, around <laughs> it as well. Next on our list, and we, we we have to run through these quite quickly. I've already told this is a jam-packed book, uh, listeners, and and as I say, lots of advice in there as well. But there's, you know, there's there's a lot of different things. So we move on to our next one, which is inset days. As a and and I should remind people, this is as a new teacher we are talking. Put yourself back into the mind. Is an inset day a, a, a difficult thing or, or a more easy thing to do as a new teacher? Um, I would say inset days for me, probably towards the middle. So I'd probably go for a five or a six. I think the hard bit about an inset day as a new teacher is that social aspect of not knowing where to sit or having to do that awful thing where you stand up and you get introduced to everybody, which is just, you just want the ground to swallow you up. Um, but actually the listening and the learning bit, you've just come out of training. So that bit, it's probably not that unfamiliar. Um, but yeah, the social aspect is hard. I, you know, I, I'm surprised with a five there. For me, the social aspect, I'd, I'd be going higher. I'm like a upper an eight because do you know what I always do? I, I wear the wrong clothes. I can never oh, pitch yes. it right. I can <laughs> never, ever pitch it right. Even at a school I've been at a while, like suddenly there'll be some kind of sea change. Everyone wants a promotion maybe. And everyone rocks up in suits to the inset day. I'm still there in flip-flops. Or I turn up in my suit, which is what I did like my Mm. first day as an NQT. I turned up there, inset day, and I was in my brand new suit, brand new shoes, tie, everything. And everyone else was there in shorts and T-shirts. And and then, yeah, so like all of those inset days, I think are hard. And again... It is not something that I've seen advice on. Mm. I don't think I can't think of another book where I've seen advice on this kind of aspect of how to navigate life as an as a as an ECT or an NQT. Yeah, um, I wanted to try and get those extra bits and pieces because you're right. So many books talk about you know the 
the the mechanics and the, the normal framework and the bits and pieces you're going to get but actually i mean for me on inset days and uh, another chapter later on also referenced this i always take a change of clothes in the car just in oh. case i've got the wrong day um <laughs> because yeah. you don't want to turn up wearing jeans thinking it's an inset day and actually it's the first day of term so yeah i totally get that and it, i mentioned that in the book because that for me is just one of those things that makes me be a lot calmer about going in on an inset day yeah that that is phenomenal advice and i would i i would tag on there from myself i can't remember if this is a bit of advice is it, it, from the book but t- take 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 your own food as well always have a packet of uh, super noodles or something just in case because sometimes they provide food then sometimes they don't then you never know then sometimes the food's terrible yeah i always like uh, keep keep uh, keep something just in case and you turn up and the slt have made bacon rolls or something for everyone who knows very confusing <laughs> times as you say socially this is hard stuff ne- to navigate particularly when you're new to the profession okay this one is probably something that's more uh, commonly talked about you know and, and people kind of side different different ways on this i'm interested in your perspective but that's the first day with your new class um i would say my score for first day with the new class um the beginning of the day i'm probably up near a nine but it does definitely reduce during the day um and again i I talk about the fact that for me i had this absolute blackout moment when i you know the children all came in we give them their lockers they were sat down in front of me and i just sort of in my mind went ah what do I do now? Like I've, I've not, I wasn't ready for this moment. Um, and so, yeah, the beginning of the day was really hard. So up, up near a nine for me, but as the day went on, luckily my first day was, you know, really lovely. I got to know the children and actually we had a lot of fun. So it was okay. But yeah, there, there is a moment of fear when you realize that it's you now and it's your responsibility. Oh, see, I'm the other way around. I, I, I obviously peaked in the other direction because I, I started <laughs> off at, start off on that, that first day with a new class. Start off easy because I am in it like a hundred miles an hour, and I am showing off and you know doing everything, and it's like all wonderful. And I've burnt all my energy by break time, and then <laughs> you know I've got I've got to continue on. I've got to continue on, and I haven't I haven't got the energy because I've hit it too hard, too fast. Uh, and run out um if you're just joining us we are talking about uh, like honest advice um and uh, for for ects early career teachers new teachers um and um we're joined by james pierce the author of the book um do you want to share that with the class it's uh, you know published by bloomsbury out very very soon um and uh, and so you'll be able to get it at a very good gift uh, you know if you're thinking christmas by the way you know if you may be listening in you've got an ect or an nqt or a trainee teacher here's something for that stocking filler or secret santa just a little tip there for you good plug james like you know i like that i'll be using that one yeah, it's, it's good timing. You see, you've, you've done well here. Uh, you know, uh, get, get it in your stockings for Secret Santa. Um, on to our next topic, though. And and this one, probably something that comes up a bit more often, uh, something that, that maybe people get right, get wrong. I think people make uh, you know, this maybe harder than it should be. It's marking. As an ECT, is marking down the easier end of the scale or something that's so hard to get right? Um, I think it's something that's harder to get right. I think it's one of those worries that we all have um, as an ECT and when you're you're new to this. And we're lucky nowadays because, I mean, when I started, we had marking policies, but they were all quite vague. Um, I feel there's a lot more of a focus on marking now. And I mean, you even have schools that have got 
you know, no marking policies. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel that marking now is, is a little bit of a minefield at the beginning. You've got to get the right policy. You've got to know that one. Um, if you are in a school that does mark, the workload can be big. I see some schools still that do, you know, long comments for every piece of English writing. Um, and it's always something that you do at the most of the time you do it at the end of the day so you've had a long day you're quite tired so i think marking is something that right back at the beginning for me was up there probably at a seven um you know it, it was something that i found draining i found tough and i often would make mistakes at the beginning mm. i like i think weirdly it's one of those things where for me it, it the marking is quite easy in a sense I found it really hard to stop marking. It's like a, a bottomless pit. You could, I could yes. sit there and mark forever. I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so you, that, you that's can. the hard. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you can, and it, it's uh, it's so interesting because since being an NQT, being involved with like marking policies and things, and we've said to teachers, right, you need to tone back your marking, and they just like, I can't because I just want to give more feedback and and, and more comments. And um, th there are weeks I've had before where you get sort of 300 books, or, you know, pieces of work to mark a week. And it's just one of those things you can just keep doing and doing and doing, as you said. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I think there is a, there's a need for uh, real clarity. And, you, and you're right, schools are, are getting better at explaining that, like to, uh, to staff, they're getting better to sort of saying, okay, you know, this is, um, this is what we mean. This is, this is uh, uh, how much marking this is what we expect, how often all those things, because yeah, I, I trained in a in a time of triple marking, which was a, you know, a, a horrible horrible time to be carrying books home and, and you know i'm very glad we're not there anymore and you know maybe that is an important thing about you know we talk about the honesty in this book the the sharing the the challenges that we've all been through but teaching cyclical and i think if we don't talk about the things that didn't work so we're going to end up making those mistakes again yeah, I totally agree. You know, in, in this profession, and, and we all say it, we all think it when we're sitting in the staff rooms, you know, things come back around all the time. Um, and there's, I, I love the days where I'd sit with the teachers who have been teaching for 20 odd years and this new government initiative comes in or this new scheme comes in or this, you know, new thing that somebody's heard and you just hear them go, oh, here we go again. Like we've done this three times already. Um, you're right. We need to learn from those. You know, we expect the children to learn from, from their mistakes. Um, we need to do the same, not just individually or in schools, but, you know, as a wider career and profession. Okay, so it leads us on to our next one. And, and this is a weird one. We might have to pad around to explain what we mean by this title. Um, but um, questions is the title of the book. Okay. Mm. But the, the chapter isn't about sort of uh, maybe students asking questions, you know, people having questions. It's more, it's more from uh, a personal point of having questions from teacher having questions. Yes. Yeah. We always, uh, for me personally in the classroom, we're always talking about, you know, questioning and I'm asking the children questions. Uh, and I always say to the children, you know, if you're stuck, I want you to ask me if you don't know something. And we all know those children who you feel frustrated sometimes. You're like, why, why didn't you just ask me the question? Um, but actually, as teachers, we don't always ask for help and ask questions when 
we should you know it would make lives easier um and i think you're sort of either in one of two camps for this one either you are somebody who's very confident when you go into teaching and can ask questions or you're a bit like i was and you didn't really know who to ask or what to ask uh, yeah and i'm going to give a couple of examples and then we can talk about like how we're going to score this about whether we think this is a difficult thing but in in the book you give a couple <laughs> of examples of the kind of questions that the you know actually usefully you give some questions to ask i wish i'd had a list like this because i you know well we'll talk about scores in a second of how difficult we think this is but like how do i use the mm -hmm. photocopier where's the staff from where are the staff toilets it's these kind of things how do i Ward a child for doing something brilliant. Um, these are the questions we're talking about. Do you think asking these questions then is something that is uh, hard for a, an early careers teacher on a scale of one to 10? Where are you going to put it? Would James, uh, ECT, NQT have found this hard? Yeah, for me, definitely. I, you know, I would have been comfortable asking my mentor eventually. Um, but yeah, when I started those first few weeks, I, I mean, that is right up there for me. Sort of, we're talking nine, if not oh. peaking towards a 10. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But this is where like, you know, I, I, as I say, when I was looking through the top, counting up the top tips, as I said, you know, in this book, um, do you want to share that with the, uh, with the class? Um, these top tips and, and a lot of the, most of the chapters have these five tips at the end. This one then with, a, you know, a list uh, maybe over two pages of questions that I, w I wish I'd kind of just, I would take this with me to a new school and just be like, right, have I asked this? Do I need to, I don't need to feel embarrassed about asking this because there are some really kind of, you know, perceptive questions here, but also things that I just wouldn't even have thought about. There's stuff here that I need. I started in my current school two years ago and I read through the list and went, oh, you know what? <laughs> I probably should take this into work and ask some of these questions uh, my, <laughs> myself as well. Because, yeah, I would be up in nine or ten when it came to, like, asking questions as an ECT. I don't know. Do you think that's, like, a fear of being seen as not good enough or a, 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 a worry of showing yourself up as a fraud? That kind of, you know, teachers talk a lot about um, that imposter syndrome, don't they? Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. You know, you, when you go into a school, um, you are working. As soon as you walk through that door and you're a qualified teacher and you're an ECT, you are working alongside classroom teachers who have been in the classroom for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And you're almost seen as equals, you know, to the children, you are all teachers. You mm. all need to have that sort of same sort of level of knowledge and, and they expect that you know what you're doing and I think because we have that every day when it comes to the moment when you don't know what you're doing you do you feel inferior and you 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 worry that you're not quite getting it right you don't want to show yourself up and actually for me it was interesting because that chapter came to be not because of my reflection on my NQT years originally I and mean, it it came from that eventually when I thought about my experiences but actually it was so I've been um on one of my first days as a supply teacher to a school and being a supply teacher, every time you go to a new school, you feel like that ECT again, because you walk in the door, you don't know where things are. You know, you, you can't go and use the oh, photocopiers because they don't give you the code. You know, half of the schools that I go to, I don't know where the staff toilets are. Um, you know, I don't know where the staff room is in some of the big ones. So it, yeah, you, from that supply teacher experience, I sort of went back to feeling like an ECT again. And I was like, oh yeah, I, there's all these questions you need to know every time you go to, you start in a new place. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, I, 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 I did a couple of years on supply myself, and I found it the most one, as you say, like a very eye-opening and very beneficial to to be able to see mm-hmm. kind of just this different these different worlds. Because yeah, you know, it's not just new teachers; it's it's moving school as well, isn't it? You know, you can find it so hard now. There are you know a lot of topics for us to cover. We're gonna we're gonna buzz through a couple a few of these quite quickly now. Okay, so uh, staff meetings, difficult, easy, one to ten. Uh, staff meetings, I would say a bit like the course days, relatively easy once you've got the social side of things sorted out. Um, if you deliver them, that's hard. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, I, I but there, there, it, there are good tips in here for getting the most out of them. I think I wasn't as mm. effective as I could be in, in, in both staff meetings and course days, um, you know, across, um, across my earlier part of my career, because it is something to do. But as far as some of the things I found most difficult, there are some big hitters coming up. And I think we need to, as I say, save those high numbers. <laughs> um, getting to know people is, is, is one of the next chapters, um, you know, how difficult is that, you know, and how important is it in finding your feet as a new teacher? Um, really important, I think. Um, you know, that is, again, something that's sort of medium difficulty. Um, I realised I was quite a social person and I got to know people. Um, but it's really easy in a school just to get to know your year team and your mentor and not to get to know others. Um, for me, you know, I realised that actually the office staff are worth their weight in gold as is your site team and you know the lunchtime staff who come to you with behavior every day so actually it's getting to know people across the school um sometimes it's hard to find those opportunities but it is so valuable to do yeah i you know i would agree and it is it is something that maybe gets parked on the back burner because you've got so many other you know plates spinning but you know it's it's important that and and there are people who want to help you and can help you and, and it's great. We get on to next up, though, in this chapter is a big hitter. OK, and I, I am going to ask you about your early observations, I should say, as well. The first observation as a new teacher, how did it go for yeah. you? How, how were you in those early observations? Um, I was lucky, actually. My first couple of observations went pretty much without a hitch they went as I wanted them to um which you know brilliant it was really really rad it was my third observation that didn't go too well and actually on reflection I'm so glad that I had one that didn't go well in my first year because you learn so much more from that um but the the over preparation the constant tweaking of everything you you go into observate that first observation I went in completely doubting that I could do it despite the fact I've been teaching for you know three or four weeks by that point and had been to university for three years um that for me I would say is probably the hardest moment of the whole of that first year um possibly except one but um yeah that, that was tough yeah, I, I think your first bad observation is probably the most one of the hardest points in any teaching career. One of my first ones in my NQT year, I'm trying to think it was my very first one or not. Uh, I, I decided to use computers, right? 
and you can probably already hear right. where you know imagine where this is going i was like yeah i'm gonna do something on the laptops you know like on the uh, i think it was pre-chromebooks but very similar small laptops we're going to get them all out no one could log on half the computers didn't work you know and i had someone yeah. standing at the back with a clipboard and i felt like you know the ground is swallowing me up and mm. do you know what they the ground didn't swallow me up and I'm, I'm still here, um, uh, still teaching. And, and yeah, I think that so hard, that first observation. Oh, it's actually given me tremors thinking about it, to be honest, but there you go. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. People need support with that. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we are going to whiz through some things that I think people don't think about because again, we get back to a few things that, that um, maybe, I'm trying to, th- yeah, I don't, I would say, with the exception of one or two, I don't think I've seen advice on these before. But there is mm. break duty, okay? And, and I'm going to group <laughs> a few together here because, I, you know, okay. in, in a way they're similar, okay? Break duty, school mm-hmm. trips, assemblies, uh, and uh, performances, right? So we're talking about kind of, yeah. you know, uh Things where you are working with the wider school, things where you are maybe on show. Uh, if you had to never do one of those things again in your career, just erase it from Ooh. teaching, would you get rid of break duty, school trips, assemblies, or performances? Oh, that's tricky. I, do you know? I, I think out of all of them, I would probably get rid of break duty, as I think most teachers would. Um, having said that, I quite like the opportunity to go and get a breath, a breath of fresh air uh, of a morning, d- despite the fact it looks like a battlefield out there half of the time and you're sort of dealing with casualties. Um, yeah, break duty is probably, I would say, the worst of the four for me. Yeah. Do, do you know what no one told me about? Uh, and, and, and this is, you know, uh, maybe maybe something for a, a future edition of the book. You can say this for ver- for, for version two that will come out in a, in in a year or so. But um, I bought my suit in summer, right? And so anyone sort of in in the UK currently uh, imagining mm. doing break duty or gate duty or whatever whatever it is that you have to do outside. I bought my suit and my shoes in summer, uh, you know, oh. expecting to go and be a teacher. And then, and then, you know, a month in and, you know, we're underwater and in the rain and you're, you know, potentially walking your kids out to the gate. And uh, for those of you maybe in, in, in secondary school listening or maybe in sunnier climbs, you know, so you do have to sometimes stand on the door. You do have to go out to the to the gate. It's not all wet play inside. Yeah, I made a real mistake there. Buy a warm suit in summer. <laughs> That's my top tip. Add it in. Buy a warm suit in summer. I like that. Yeah, I'll take that, Nathan. Thank you. We we will have that. Now, um, I do want to pop to the news quickly, but we've got a few more. There are so many chapters in here, and I I, like. I'm trying to cherry pick some of the ones that I, you know, I think are. There is so much quality advice in here that I don't want to miss any out. But we will come back just after the news um, to go through a few more and and and. really delve into why I think this book, you know, is a, is a great read and, you know, a, a great uh, thing to uh, maybe slip into the stocking of your NQT or ECT, sorry, in England as well. We have NQTs here in Wales, you see. We, we didn't go all that way. But we will ah. see you all. Yeah, uh, the, the, the wording didn't change. And so there there is still uh, some of us across the border here. But we will see you all on the other side of the news. 
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. School suspensions featured in The Guardian, always a provocative topic. According to analysis reported in the newspaper, since the pandemic, disadvantaged pupils in England were 3.7 times more likely to be sent home than other pupils. The analysis was published alongside a separate survey of teachers who said that verbal and physical abuse from pupils had increased significantly post-pandemic. School suspensions have risen overall since COVID, up 30% in 2021 to 22, compared with 2018 to 19, but have gone up more sharply amongst disadvantaged pupils, up 75% versus 4% for non-disadvantaged. The analysis was completed by Who's Losing Learning on the latest available DfE figures for 2021 to 2022. Other groups who saw significant increases were children with social workers and children with special educational needs. The analysis also looked at geographical factors. The increase in suspensions was highest in the East Midlands, up 57%, followed by the North West and North East at 34%. The survey of NAS UWT members found almost 9 out of 10 said the number of pupils exhibiting physically violent and abusive behaviours has increased in the last year. Almost three quarters of those surveyed cited poor socialisation skills following COVID restrictions as a key driving factor behind the rise in poor pupil behaviour. When asked for comment, the DfE said it supports head teachers to take the action necessary to promote good behaviour. The TES reports on further concerns around recruitment of secondary teachers in England. Figures obtained by the NEU and NAHT show ministers are on course to miss recruitment targets by 48%. Numbers in all subjects except history, PE and classics are below the national recruitment target. The figures for last month, the final month before teacher training courses begin, shows there were 13,788 recruits. This is short of the target of 26,360. Paul Whiteman, NAHT General Secretary, said the shortages meant more children were being taught either by teachers with no qualifications in the subject, by teaching assistants or by supply staff. A DfE spokesperson said there were record numbers of teachers in schools, up by 27,000 since 2010. But unions point out that the number of pupils in state-funded schools had risen at almost double the rate of teaching workforce. Special educational needs has been in the spotlight after reports in the media suggest that the government has signed a contract targeting 20% cuts to the number of new education, health and care plans. According to The Observer, the cuts emerged as councils across England face huge financial deficits on SEND. This is caused by rising demand and long-standing underfunding, they say. Part of the government response has been the launch of the new Delivering Better Value in SEND, which supports councils to bring down budget deficits via early intervention and teaching children with SEND in mainstream schools. The plan's design costs £19.5 million, but it suggests a reduced growth in the number of EHCPs, targeting at least a 20% reduction. Concern has been expressed by SEND campaigners around the legality of such an approach. 
ministers have denied that a specific target to reduce EHCP exists and that it was completely wrong to suggest the DfE is withdrawing support for SEND. Finally, a feature article in The Guardian focuses on research into the impact of pornography on the lives of children and young people. Abby Wright spoke to 10,000 children between 2016 and 2022. They were aged between 6 and 22 and came from a range of backgrounds across the UK. Wright is a theatre designer and did the research as part of the creation of two new musicals. The feature article called Too Much Too Young is available online, but broad findings suggest that children as young as six are encountering porn online, often via pop-ups, but sometimes having been introduced to it by older friends or siblings. For nine to 11 year olds, exposure to porn is frequent via platforms like YouTube. Children as young as 12 admitted to feeling like they were addicted to pornography. Teenagers feel that they learn more from pornography than sex education classes particularly those exploring their sexuality or gender identity. Pornography also appears to confuse the issue of consent, particularly for young women who feel if it is okay in porn, then it's okay in real life. Whatever our thoughts on such a sensitive and challenging topic, it seems clear that relationships and sex education needs to catch up quickly for a lot of young people. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Swansea, welcome to uh, Teachers Talk Radio and uh, tonight uh, if you have just joined us we're joined by James Pierce, author of Do You Want to Share That with the Class? Um, it is a book uh, absolutely crammed with uh, advice and anecdotes um, for ECTs and uh, new teachers, early career teachers um, on... Some of, some of those things that I think are missing in other books. Um, we've talked through a few of the chapters. In fact, I'm settling very quickly, uh, James, on this idea of it's it's my, uh, my colleague that I needed in my single form entry primary school when I felt very alone uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Oh, it was a long time ago now. Um, <laughs> in that first year when I needed help and support, because I, th- I think that's a very apt description for this book. It's it's like having someone there. And, uh, you know, one of the questions, you, you sort of started to mention it earlier about this idea that it's, it's almost a reference book, but not quite a reference book. It's something that I could dip in and out of looking for the, the kind of advice and tips need. Yeah, I definitely wanted it to be a book that, um, as I said, it, it, I hope it's something that, ECTs can pick up and read all the way through but then once they've read it once it's not one of those books that you're going to buy once read once and you know put on eBay or you know leave it and lose it sort of thing I hope it's going to be something that actually can stay on the shelf in your classroom or can go in your bag or wherever and actually when you get to your first observation or you're on your first course day or whatever you can sit there and go beforehand look through and just go actually what what was it 
you know, I need to do from this one and what can I take away from it? And as you say, if you haven't got that mentor or you're in your one form entry school, yeah, hopefully it'll be that sort of extra guide. Yeah, and I think I, you know, I would say as well, you know, uh, I, I, well, I found it quite therapeutic in a way of reading through the the kind of honest accounts and recounts that actually, if I had had a bad, say, assembly, for instance, which is one of the chapters, I I, I could just go and you know read that part and reflect on the actually some of these things are fairly normal to happen that we don't Mm -hmm. we're not all perfect all of the time every time and there is advice and support and understanding out there in the profession i really like that about the book no thank you very much yeah it definitely wants to give that reassurance because we're not all perfect by far from it (laughs) now there are a few things uh, in the book that i think you know are a bit more hard hitting I don't know like I wanted to ask a couple of those things um, from the chapters I know we were going to work through listeners before the show uh, you know I my plan was we would run through every chapter discussing it there is so much packed into this book that I'm sure we're not going to get through it but but as well as the light-hearted stuff there is some more you know important messages I would say some harder hitting topics so I wanted to ask you about a couple of those chapters you know there are uh, chapters in here on things like work-life balance chapters in here on things like complaints did you do you uh, did you approach those differently do you see them in a different way or do you know do we still need to see the light and the 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 humor uh in those moments of teaching as well um yeah i mean when i wrote the book and when i thought about the year say it started off almost chronologically in in the diary of a year and then i changed it to be a bit more like a roller coaster because you know, the teaching profession, it's not all highs. Um, And there are those times that actually, even now, 11 years on, there are days that don't quite go so well when you get one of those harder moments. And it wouldn't be a book that is honest, as you know, I've put on the front and and I wanted, I stuck by from the very beginning, if I didn't mention some of those things. Um, And as a, as a new teacher, I mean, all teachers, we all get complaints we get gripes from from parents from colleagues you know and it's one of those things that actually I wanted to make sure that new teachers were aware that it happens um, but provide them with not only reassurance and a story of how it happened to me or what happened to me when it happened but also um, yeah provide some tips and tell them that there is something coming up afterwards you know things will get better um, and try to provide a little bit of light in there um, because you know again all of us who have been teachers and had to deal with complaints or those tough days when you do have a bit of burnout because it's been a really really busy week um you know there is light at the end of the tunnel Mm, certainly and i yeah i think right you know it wouldn't be honest if it didn't have those shades of you know the 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 dark and the like the that comes with teaching um because there is you know you know i I was a primary teacher for a very long time. I now teach secondary and there are people talk to me about the, you know, the differences and the things I miss. And, uh, you know, I reflected and, you know, there are uh, chapters within the book about, um, I know some people do still run clubs at secondary, but it's, it's maybe less so than, than in primary or maybe in a slightly different way, but things like the cake sales, um, the residential (laughs) trips, the, the wet playtimes, the, the summer fair, and uh, mm. there is something particularly joyous about primary teaching, I think. Oh, yeah. And so 
when we look through those things, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to ask you, you know, you've talked about it being uh, originally possibly being the concept of a year. How did you find as an ECT, do you think there is a natural flow to the year? Are there, you know, these natural high parts? And, and for you, which are your favourite parts of the primary school year? Definitely. I mean, it, it's so funny because even now, so after all of these years, I still have the the sort of the dips and, and the tough bits. So, for example, this part of the year for me has always been one of the hardest. When you get to the end of that first half term, the nights are drawing in. Um, you know, you, as, as we said earlier on, you know, you start strong at the beginning of the year and you get exhausted. This is always one of those parts for me that's always been quite tough. Um, but you have those those good ones as well. So residentials, um, the first school that I worked in, I was full time for eight years. All of the year groups went into residential, um, which sounds chaotic, but it was just it was such a nice opportunity um, to get to see the children in a different environment to really see them um you know as young people and actually to go and have some fun and enjoy yourself as well and abseil off of things um the cake sale was very similarly it's a good opportunity to go and um you know meet the parents and be part of the school community and i think most of those opportunities we talk about the teaching standards and one to seven very important but actually that teacher standard eight and you're being part of the wider school for me those were the moments that actually i found the most satisfying um, because as much as I love being a teacher and being in the classroom and seeing those light bulb moments of children um, and imparting what I know and everything from the national curriculum into the children and getting those good results, it's being part of the school community that to me has always been my favourite part of being a teacher. Um, and yeah, so for me, are always the highlights in the school year. Yeah, I, you know, I I agree. There, you know, there is something joyous, particularly, you know, at the Christmas times, at the the Easter times, at, you know, the summer terms yeah. as well. When when you get to see people coming into the school, uh, you know, whether it be parents, uh, carers, grandparents, all of those kind of things, uh, and, and class assemblies, of of course, probably the most stressful thing, a class <laughs> assembly uh, for secondary school colleagues who who maybe don't have children of their own who've been through primary school, a class assembly. Is, is the most traumatic thing I would say that, that, that a primary school teacher has to do. Uh, so in a <laughs> sense, you, I don't know how to explain it, James. How would you explain a class assembly? You're right. To somebody who's never seen one or experienced it, they just will never know. But um, yeah, a class assembly, um, essentially it's a sort of showcase of a topic really and usually you do it about something that you've learned in class although some of mine as I mentioned in the book have been on weird and wonderful topics um, but it's an opportunity for the children for about 10-15 minutes to go out there and sing songs and do little skits and read things off of a bit of card that uh, talk about a subject but as you say it, it takes way longer than you think to rehearse it um, if you've made the mistake as I always did of writing it yourself uh, that always takes time and then as I've had before I, I don't think I put this in the book I can't remember now but I had one class assembly one year where we'd gone through we'd finally got it right the morning of the assembly the assembly was in the afternoon we're just about to do it and one of the parents turned up late 
And as the parent walked in the, the door at the back of the hall, the child just burst out into tears. And I'm just sitting there going, they are literally saying the first line. And they've just started crying out. I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah, it's just, it's stressful, but so rewarding. And you do sit there at the end of it with a smile on your face. Oh, yeah. You like, and the, the kids get a lot out of it. And the parents also, they love it, get a lot out of it. Um, but, you sound like the, the 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 teacher that I would hate the the the, the one who like has put on a national theatre worthy <laughs> show and and I've got my class assembly next week and everyone's oh yes. everyone's just seen a you know an all singing all dancing West End performance and I know I've got my show coming up and you you've just outplayed me. I know. I always used to ask for mine in the autumn term because uh, my old school, it used to get very competitive. And by the time you get to spring, obviously, you've got BAFTA award winning assembly. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, mine always went early because I was not entering that. <laughs> well, yeah, they, you know, <laughs> a good tip there in itself. Um, and But it does lead <laughs> us on to one of the other things that, you know, we've talked about the stuff that is pedagogy the stuff that is organizational that you know the, even the things that are around the the aspect of teaching but there are a number mm. of chapters where you've pulled out that you know particularly new teachers will find difficulties and and they relate to other staff whether social socially such as things like staff night nights out but also i mean i suppose it is still socially about a kind of juxtaposition between young staff older experienced staff and the different job roles within the school. Um, I can't say, I think the only advice I had as a trainee teacher on that was don't sit in someone else's chair in the staff room. And I don't think that covers it by (laughs) far enough. And luckily you have a few chapters talking about these different aspects. Yeah, schools are so interesting because you get so many different types of people i mean you think about the children are different and the parents are different but actually the staff you get in a school you you're always going to have the uh the member of staff who's been teaching for decades and is still very enthusiastic and you usually get the one who's very experienced and less than enthusiastic uh, you know is counting down the days to retirement you will get ects and, and newer teachers who are you know giving everything a go and those that you know what they're just trying to keep their head above water um it's it's very interesting for me the the best thing that i um thought with that is that when you go into schools and there's a chapter on young versus old not only do you have teachers that are older than you and of course not all ects are 21 22 coming out of university the the nqt that i had with me um she was in her 40s i believe and was a mum of two children and and there was me a 21 year old and her in her 40s and it was a very interesting juxtaposition of the two of us um but what i used to say to my colleagues particularly when one of my year group partners said i'm actually old enough to be your mum and then some um i said the thing is is that we're all older than the children and it doesn't matter how you know how many years we've been teaching or how old we are or this that and the other to the children we're all old and to us the children are all young and that was one of the things i thought actually I am on the same level of them, but it is hard um, to sort of gauge people. And, and there are opportunities to rub people up the wrong way when you go in there, as you say, sitting in somebody's seat and sort of getting into the swing of how the school works. Um, it can be tricky, but you get there. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I found 
hardest, particularly early on, is this, you know, this idea that actually everyone brings something different, don't they? You talk about the old and the experienced teachers, the kind of maybe people who are, you know, thrusting go getters who one day will be a head teacher and, um, and people who just want to enjoy uh, the, the, the classroom practice of teaching. And I think once you can see that, you know, that balance that everyone's bringing something slightly different to the team, you know, it, it really starts to settle in. But certainly, yeah, you know, uh, the staff uh, interactions can can certainly be a, a tricky thing to navigate, which is why I'm so, so pleased there's some, some, some different chapters on the different aspects of that within the book, um, uh, which I should say again, I, I keep trying to make sure that I shout out the title for anyone who's listening, but it <laughs> is. Um, do you want me to share that in the, um, sorry, let me get it exactly right. Do do you want to share that with the class? Uh, hilarious anecdotes. Uh, sorry, hel- uh, honest advice and hilarious anecdotes uh, for primary ECTs. And it is out on the 9th of uh, November. You can uh, pre-order it now from uh, such places as that famous one that's named after a rainforest. But there are other places, of course, <laughs> that you can get it um, so that you can, uh, you know, add it to your basket now so that it comes straight to you when it's ready. Um, there is a bit, I think, that we haven't lived up to, James. Uh, you know, this is where, okay. you know, we, we if we haven't lived up to within the show, if we don't cover it, okay? <laughs> oh. You know, I know where you're going with this. Hilarious. (laughs) We've done the funny. We've done the advice. Honest anecdotes. I think think we haven't we haven't hit the nail on the head just yet. And I will share. (laughs) And what what this will do is I will share first and it will put you on the spot then to have to share something. And if you're listening in, feel free to to share in. I'm not sure this is is necessarily hilarious, but it is an honest anecdote of possibly the most face palm thing that I ever did. And this was as an NQT or an ECT as they've now been be named but this is my most embarrassing moment that I did is I was doing a topic uh on the uh Aztecs was it Aztecs Incas Incas topic on the Incas and um you know very common uh, I think it was year five uh and uh you know we had uh ancient civilization so our topic for that half term was the Incas and I'd done some of the different bits and pieces you know we'd 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 we'd, we'd covered off quite a lot and someone suggested to me that we make hot chocolate and hot chocolate allegedly apparently I, you know i had to do a little bit of research that was one of those <laughs> things that came from that part of the world that you know it was something that they did and so this is fine and on the morning that i am due to make it and and bearing i was a uh, inexperienced and young and i i should add into this i am not a cook I, I do not cook i do not know anything about <laughs> cooking i don't know anything right um and uh on the morning of me doing it the uh deputy head came in and gave me a bag full of peppers chili peppers right because apparently okay. again these were a thing so she gave them to me but I, I didn't have a lot of guidance and instruction for this um and i i i, I just gave them to the kids right I gave the kids these chili peppers and oh. we were making hot chocolate and they just started, you know, rubbing them, touching them, chopping them up and putting them in their cups of hot <laughs> chocolate, uh, then touching touching their eyes, their mouths, drinking oh, no. the hot chocolate. And uh, yeah, I, I, I pretty much had a hazmat in- incident. 
on my class where we had to get milk and parents and some of them were off with stomach upsets the next day and honest to god that is the most like that is the most facepalm thing i have ever done in my life as a teacher uh traumatic for for everyone involved i should say poor children that i taught <laughs> But yeah, I don't know what the the, the outcome of that is. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, do your own research would be a a good piece of advice there. Um, But I have shared like, so it cannot be worse than that. I effectively am admitting that I poisoned uh, 30 nine-year-olds. Okay, so I have put it out. So that now leaves the door open for you to to share your most face, face, face palm moment. Uh, with us uh, first of all reactions that happens to everyone doesn't it come on make me feel better that's that's perfectly normal um, poison a bunch of children yes i i have definitely heard of that one before it's a bit like the class assemblies how am i supposed to follow that the thing is present. it it can't it can't be worse like literally i, I poisoned some children um so yeah. i hate know. to break it to you nathan that's that's not a great one <laughs> <laughs> so um what it means is though you know make some easy there might be ects listening to us now they might be listening back on a podcast they might be thinking about buying this book they've probably had an awful week james make them feel better we've all been there haven't it we've, we've all done something silly Oh yeah, we've we've all done things, and I mean, for me, there has been so many moments over the years where, or you know, particularly as an ECT, where y- you teach the wrong thing, or you say something wrong, or I mean, I've fallen over in front of the children before, tripped over a chair leg, and gone completely over, and the children just sit there laughing while you're trying to, you know, help your bruised ego. Um, but my most embarrassing one, which is in the book actually, um, and still haunts me to this day, is I was sitting at the front of my class. In the front of my classroom, I had a couple of those tray units, you know, where children's trays are. And I'm sat down on this tray unit and uh, I sort of put my hands on top of the tray unit and tucked my fingers into the tray. So I was like holding on to the edge of the tray unit. And what I didn't realise is that one of the children had put their tray in back to front and by doing so had managed to wedge their tray into the unit. Um, and I had somehow, where I had my hands over the edge, managed to wedge my hand into the tray. So this sort of minute, you know, perch at the front of the classroom in the middle of a lesson, I then realised I couldn't get my hand out. I couldn't stand up. So I'm trying to style it out and I'm, I'm sort of like, okay, trying to teach and children are asking me questions and I'm calling this across the class. It then ended up with me having to get someone to go to the office because I could not get my hand out of this tray and I was stuck into this tray unit with my hand um, to which the office lady came down, uh, Becky, a good friend of mine now. And uh, yeah, she just, she just laughed and the kids all laughed at me when they realised what was going on and I was mortified. Oh my god! I actually think that's, that's one of my favourite. I look, yeah, I do, you know I, that is just being trapped in. Now, just to add flavour to the story, was it a child or an adult you had to send to the office? I had to send a child to the office. Oh, that's even that makes it even better. Yeah. some poor child has had yeah. to go up to the office. Um, my teacher is is stuck. That is brilliant. I know. I do love that. But you're oh. Even worse, it was my right hand as well. So I couldn't even write a note to send with the child. I literally had to say to them, can you just go to the office and explain that I need someone to come down because I'm my hand is stuck in the trays? And they just were like, what? Yeah, it was awful. 
But, you know, if you are listening in, you're an ECT, if you're you're listening in and as an experienced teacher, these things happen. You're not wrong about chairs collapsing. I've done that. I've been the teacher sat in an assembly when there's chairs on the side and the chair broke and I collapsed whilst in the middle of an assembly. That happens. If you're an ECT, that happens. That's normal. That will happen. Yeah. Um, (laughs) that, That happens. You will throw a ball or kick a ball on the yard. It might be during PE. It might be just during break time. You will, you know, hit a child in the face or back of the head with a ball by accident. <laughs> that will happen. Yeah, these are, these are all Done things that. that will happen. They don't show it on the get into teaching adverts, do they? But th- these are <laughs> these are definitely things that will happen, and 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 um, and and will, uh, yeah, you will feel terrible about. Uh, in fact, a lot of these things, as we go through, you know, we've gone through the chapters of the book. There were things, and and yeah, that that night before chapter at the start, I think is really important, and the you know that that mental well being aspect of us reflecting and the tips, because all of these things are like, all of these things are terrible at the time, and now you know we're sat here, you know, five, ten, fifteen years later, laughing about them, and we have some perspective on it, but 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 some of this stuff does feel, you know, really bad at the time, doesn't it? Oh, it really does. And, you know, if you are in a situation where you're getting close to half term or it's been a tough week, then some of these moments that we are literally laughing about now, honestly, can they can tip you over the edge sometimes and you can go home thinking, oh, I just can't do this anymore. And that was why I wanted to put them in the book. You know, we, we talk about and it mentions in there the stat of sort of one in eight new teachers don't make it to the end of the first year and I was like well actually if we talk about the fact that we all have these moments and these mistakes and these embarrassing minutes well maybe that will just convince a few more people that it's okay and just help them to get through it yeah and I I definitely think that I think the whole vibe from the book you know the 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 impression I got this kind of supportive as we've already mentioned this you know a, a colleague or a friend there with you a mentor who maybe you didn't have or wasn't there you know, or, or maybe you couldn't share with, because that would have been the thing for me. I, I, I had that thing where I didn't want to admit failure to my mentor, you know, because I felt yeah. that they were judging me and doing my observations. And so having this to kind of go home with and reflect on and, and, and look back through, I think is such a, a, a useful thing and a, an important thing uh, for for early careers teachers to, to help them get to the stage where maybe we are in the career, where we can can laugh a little bit at it with a little bit of perspective of time. Um, I have a final question for you. And, you know, this kind of relates to, well, it could be anything, because it's a very open door question, this one. So apart from mm. your book, obviously, the book is an important thing, but what do you think every ECT needs? Now, if you're working with an ECT at the moment, if you have one in your school, from us experienced teachers, what do ECTs need from us? Um, it's so funny because there are so many things that I think I'd cross over with the children. I mean, the first thing that I think all ECTs need is patience. You know, it, I know as experienced teachers, we have got many plates spinning and, you know, I, I've supported ECTs and skit students in the past while leading a subject and leading a year group and, and doing this, that and the other. But actually, they need our time and our patience. Um you know, they will make mistakes, they will need the time to ask questions, um, and we need to give that to them. Um, they need humour themselves and also from us, you know, it, it makes it so much easier when you start a mentor meeting with a smile and can fit a laugh in there along the way. Um, they need to have 
reassurance just like again we'd say with the children they need to know that they're doing well but at the same time and again i've seen this from some mentors in the past they need to have somebody who is going to be honest with them and say when something hasn't quite gone right but deliver it with a next step and some support you know do it in the right way so that you can say a lesson didn't quite go well today i might have tried this i'll tell you what come and watch me try that and see what you think um they but also i suppose you need to have that flexibility with ects because every ect is very different um you have some who want who have that confidence and, and really do want to go for it and then you need others who might need a bit more hand holding um but yeah patience i would say humor um you know a mentor that listens and works with them supports them but is honest um and you know do what you can at the end of the day i always felt privileged if i was given the opportunity to mentor someone because not only was the school investing in this new teacher but they were investing me to give them the time and the support and training to get them up to where we would expect them as a school so um yeah for me i, I never saw it as a burden i saw it as an honor um and uh, and still do now yeah you're you know you're so right it is you know bringing these people through and you're you're right when you mentioned that the percentages of of those maybe who haven't made it in the past and we need to do something about that as a profession and i think certainly what you're doing with the book is is going to help with that um i'm just going to give a shout out because you have tweeted out if people want to find it there is a discount code do you want to do a little a little kind of last bit plug um for the book tell them where they can get it and uh, you know, obviously, uh, you've tweeted out a little message for a discount code there as well. Yes, yeah. So uh, the lovely people at Bloomsbury who have been amazing. Um, I've got to say, the whole team there. Um, they let me know today that if you buy the book. Uh, between now and the 9th of October when it comes out from Bloomsbury themselves, uh, then you can use a discount code, which is jpearce, P-E-A-R-C-E, it's my surname, uh, 35, and you get 35% off the book, which is quite a good, you know, sizable saving. Um, you can also get it on Amazon, you can get it on Waterstones as well at the moment. Um, but yeah, Bloomsbury at the moment, I've got that 35% off code, jpearce35. Yeah. And, you know, if you're listening back or don't know how to run uh, your podcast, check back on our TT uh, radio uh, tweets or, or follow James, uh, who's at James J.P. Pierce or on Twitter. You'll be able to find that tweet in there somewhere in the comments about this show uh, and you'll be able to find that code. Because, yeah, when I say it's packed full, it has, as I said earlier, so much advice in it. I lost count counting the much of advice in here but set out in a very easy to use way uh, and, and very reassuring which is what I felt I needed as an ECT so yeah congratulations on the book as I say I very much enjoyed it thank you very much Nathan and thank you for being so positive and supportive about it as well it's uh, it's always nice once you've got the book out to hear people saying that you think the ideas didn't just sound okay in my head they work for you as well so yeah really appreciate your time this evening no thanks for coming on now if you are listening to us live don't forget you can switch over to uh, spaces on x uh, which used to be called twitter and and you can join uh, the education tonight uh, uh, with brent and adam who'll be starting on there in in the next couple of minutes uh, once they go live uh, thank you for listening in uh, that book again uh, that we've been talking about is uh, do you want to share that with the class is by James Pierce and he's been a wonderful guest tonight thank you James at uh, Nostar we say uh, here in South Wales which is good night so Nostar Nostar to you as well Nathan
Ah, fantastic. A lovely bit of Welsh to end on there. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, And (laughs) listeners, go out there, get the book. And yeah, if you know an ECT, believe me, this is something that they need in their lives and it will help them. So good night from Teachers Talk Radio. We'll see you next time uh, here on The Twilight Show. Good night. Nostal. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.